Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. Really quick solo pod tonight. I'm recording this on Wednesday, November 10th. Just want to get some general thoughts out, not only about the Champions Classic, which if you are subscribed to the No Ceilings newsletter, you would have already read this morning some of my thoughts on the Champions Classic along with Corey Tellebaugh from the Draft Act, who was there last night. I'm jealous of him. He was there in person at Madison Square Garden for a rocking environment, especially the energy that was coming from that Duke-Kentucky game. Man, I, I wish I would have been there in person, but I did the absolute best to evaluate all of the action sitting from my couch absolutely go read that piece up on those ceilings definitely check that out but I want to talk about some of those guys here on the podcast to get those thoughts out to any of my audience who hasn't read that article yet and I kind of want to talk about some other guys hit on some other prospects really quick as well who debuted had their day one debuts last night but let's start let's start in New York City let's talk about the big game of the night Duke and Kentucky obviously Paolo Bencaro was the guy who stole the show, right? He came out. A lot of people have him projected as the number one overall pick for the 2022 NBA draft. If you've been listening to me on this podcast, I did a preview episode, actually our very first 2022 preview episode with Backcourt V, a.k.a. Tyler Rucker. We were talking about Paolo, and I was struggling to get there as far as him being a tier one prospect in this draft class. And I kind of made it clear that at the time I didn't see any tier one prospects in this draft class. I didn't see it necessarily from Paolo. I wanted to give Chet a little more time. Jaden Hardy. While we've already talked about some of his struggles early on with the G League United, I saw him as like a tier two guy, but Paolo came out last night and Holy cow, right off the bat, the spin move that he used to get in the lane actually multiple spin moves if you really want to go back and look at more of the film his footwork his comfort level handling the ball him operating from the elbows nailing jump shots again comfortable is the word right he looked so in tune with having the basketball in his hands and when you're 610 250 pounds and you can move as gracefully as he does at that size, when you can handle the basketball, when you can make plays for others, navigate through double teams, become a number one scoring option, but also take over some of the defensive responsibilities of a big man. At some points last night against Kentucky, you saw some of the the, the rim protection stuff really come about for him. He is he is definitely a physical prospect to behold, and it it, it was kind of. It was kind of jaw-dropping at times, not just the 21 points, the seven rebounds, but I wrote this in my piece. It was how he generated those points and bent the defense to his will, possession by possession. I mean, this this is the type of stuff that you would expect a number one overall pick or somebody in contention for the number one overall pick to exhibit in their first game, and he was not afraid. He was not scared of the moment. He was fighting through some, fighting through and playing through some cramps. He, I, I obviously want to see more. I'm going to want to see a little more on a consistent basis, but just his mindset, his willingness to come out and attack the basket right away, that says something to me because my biggest criticism on him, watching some of the high school stuff, 
He settles a lot for jump shots. And he wasn't settling in terms of the type of shots he took last night. He took exactly what the defense gave him. If the defense sagged off, he'd be more than ready to, to take an open three, even though he didn't make a three-point shot. He was 0 for 3, uh, 0 for 3 from three-point range. He was still comfortable taking them. He was willing to take them. And then, yeah, anytime they sagged off of him, it left him any sort of space around the free throw line. That ball was up and out of his hands. And generally, he was making those shots. Shot seven for 11 from the field overall. Also, eight of nine from the free throw line. If he's going to be aggressive and get to the charity stripe on a consistent basis, we talk about that in the NBA with some of these young guys like like a Jason Tatum, for example, what are some of the easier ways that these players can up their scoring averages and become more efficient offensive players overall? It's getting to the free throw line, right? It's knocking down some of those free throws. If if Paolo Bencaro was going to go to the line 8 to 10 to 12 times a game, God, it would not shock me if he's averaging like like 22 to 25 points a game for Duke, which is an insane number to average at the college level. Obviously, the maximum number of minutes you can play in a game is eight less than what you can play in the NBA. Generally, if you're somewhere in like the 15 to 19 points per game range, you're you're absolutely trending upwards as a first-round type of talent, as long as everything else obviously checks out your game. There's more to being an NBA prospect than just scoring the basketball. But generally, those higher-level first-round picks – averaging anywhere from like 15 to 19 points per game. So if Paolo can eclipse that, I mean, he's he's really going to have a stronghold on being in contention for that number one pick if he wasn't already. I'm very, very, very close to classifying him as a tier one prospect and going all in with him. If he keeps this up, if he is this dominant, I said this on Twitter last night and multiple times, I don't think there's any one person in college basketball who can stop him this year. The best chance that a defense has going up against him is doubling him. And the way that he was navigating out of double teams last night, making the right decisions with the basketball, being able to back anybody down in the post, give him that drop step, the spin move. He was just so overwhelming on that end of the floor and if he's bringing the same defensive intensity as well if he's if he's making all the right rotations on that end if he's offering rim protection if he's stepping out covering smaller guys on the perimeter keeping up with them from a lateral mobility perspective i mean paolo showed flashes of virtually anything you would want the number one overall pick to do last night i think that's really the best way to put it all of the flashes together you really didn't look like you had too much of any one particular weakness last night. So we'd be really interested to monitor him moving forward, but he was absolutely one of the best players and had one of the most dominant performances last night in, in college basketball. Also in that game was Ty Ty Washington, who, who did struggle a little bit, nine points, three assists, only three of 14 shooting from the field. He was 0 for 2 from the three-point line. I also tweeted this out last night. I'm not particularly thrilled with him sharing the backcourt duties or, or should I say point guard duties with Severe Wheeler. And I know that Wheeler was a dynamo in his own right last night. He was a speedster getting up and down the floor. He was knocking down some open threes, which was nice to see. Wasn't afraid to to try his best at, at playing a little bully ball when he was getting downhill and getting to the basket despite him being smaller in stature. But Wheeler had the ball in his hands a ton, and he was really the guy who John Calipari in Kentucky looked to and said, go and create something for us. Ty Ty Washington's best ability on the court is his ability to freelance playmake. His, his 
freedom to have creativity. And it seemed like every time he caught the basketball last night, everyone kind of looked at him and was like, are you going to shoot this? Are you going to try to go score this? And converting his mentality that way, asking him to play a different brand of basketball than he's been used to growing up. Obviously there's going to be some growing pains. Now I do like his shooting stroke. I think that in time he is going to be an efficient scorer in college. And I think he can make the adjustment to that kind of role. If that's absolutely what Kentucky needs from him. But I think for Kentucky to be the best version of themselves and not have lapses offensively, like we saw at different moments, against Duke. I mean, at one point Duke was on their way to a blowout win. And thankfully, you know, Kentucky was closing the gap a little bit last night to make it a more competitive game, especially late in the second half. But in order to avoid blowout moments like that, they need a dynamic playmaker like Ty Ty Washington to have the freedom to create with the ball in his hands and make plays for others, not just look to shoot it and bail that offense out at times to to score the basketball. So I want to see how that balance comes together more for Kentucky as the year goes on. And hopefully Washington makes a little bit better of a case as a first-round prospect and one of the point guards to definitely monitor, because I'll bring up a few point guards a little later in this podcast who did absolutely excite me last night. But staying in this game, the one guy who Corey and I both chose to write about in terms of a prospect emerging on the big stage that we didn't expect to be talking about this early on. We're coining the phrase over at No Ceilings. I'm giving giving Albert his credit, his dues. He's the one who first said this phrase to us in our little group chat on Twitter. We got all the keels last night from Trevor Keels. This dude, 6'4", 220 pound guard built like a built like a freaking linebacker like an NFL linebacker and who's the other guy that we kind of throw that um throw throw that kind of compliment out at in the NBA Lugans Dort (laughs) it's like it's like Trevor Keels is, is Luke Dort's long lost brother it's it was Really, really, really fun to watch him. Obviously, when you look at how he's built, his stature, you're expecting this guy to come in and play physical defense. You're expecting him to hound opponents. You're expecting him to finish inside, get downhill, and create around and and finish around the basket. I didn't expect some of the passing flashes I saw from him. He was only one for four from three-point range, but the stroke looked good. He looked confident taking those shots. Yeah, some of the passes he made, especially that – that that jump pass by the free throw line when the defense came over and doubled him and he he hit the uh, the rolling big man right right in the wheelhouse for for an easy finish down low. Trevor Keels, he is going to be a fun player to monitor. Is he definitely a first round type of talent? Last night he played like one, and we've seen some other Duke guards in years past come out and have a really good first game, maybe a really good second game to follow, and then they sort of fall off a little bit. Jay Billis was talking about him pregame. I've heard Mike Schmitz mention his name before. Somebody to definitely watch some, some of the stuff that he said on social media. Yeah, we're, we're all keeping an eye on Trevor Keels at this point. He, he is not going to surprise us at any other points. Again, his, his stat line bears repeating 25 points, three steals, 10 of 18 shooting from the field overall. Very, very, very impressive debut for Trevor Keels. And that Duke team overall, I know A.J. Griffin didn't get 
much of an opportunity to play last night. He's still technically coming back from an injury. They're trying to progressively work him into the lineup versus throwing him out for big minutes right away. I think the only real reason he played last night was because Paolo and some of the other Duke players had had cramps in their legs and they had to, to sit out for a little bit. So AJ Griffin got an opportunity, but when he is up to full speed, what team in recent memory can you look back and say that they had a trio of prospects as physical, as built as these guys? I, I saw PD Webb tweet out today that, well, Duke is like one of the only teams in recent memory that, that has three guys that look like they've been spending years in a college weight room already between Keels, Paolo, and AJ Griffin. It is insane what that lineup is going to be able to do at, at some point. Duke's going to trot out a lineup of, of Jeremy Roach, Trevor Keels, AJ Griffin, uh, Paolo Bencaro, and Wendell Moore. And by the way, Wendell Moore also looked pretty improved last night. He was very confident taking mid-range shots. He was scoring out of pick-and-roll sets. I loved what I was seeing from him on the offensive end, on the defensive end. He absolutely held his own on the wing, playing pretty strong point-of-attack defense, which I, I don't know if he's ever been bad defensively, but I think more of what we wanted to see from Wendell Moore in terms of being an NBA prospect. We wanted to see more from him on the offensive end of the floor. We wanted him to see more of a consistent shooter, more of a capable playmaker to take advantage of, of his passing strengths out of pick and roll sets. We wanted to see more of that creativity in his offensive game. And he definitely showed more of that last night, but that lineup of five players for Duke, that that's a national championship type of lineup. I'm not going to pick them to win the national championship, at least at this point in time, that pick will will actually go to the next team that we'll talk about some of the prospects there. Kansas, Ochai Baji absolutely looked like the national player of the year or, or somebody who should be contending for that award last night. 29 points, 9 of 17 shooting from the field, 3 of 6 from three-point range, 8 of 8 from the line. We knew that Ochai Baji was a, a, a pretty good shooter from three-point range, right? He, he's gotten to that point in his game where he's very comfortable taking those shots, coming off of movement, hitting set shots. But really, he looked so in tune handling the basketball last night. And I had a little bit of a pushback on a tweet today when I said that he, he looks like he's finally putting it all together. What I really mean by that is... Last year, if you go look at a lot of the synergy numbers, the shot attempts that he actually had around the basket versus the number of jump shots that he took last year per synergy, the split was was very, very, very wide. And last night he took seven jump shots, but he took six shots around the basket. Um, that 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 gap is a lot narrower than the one that we saw in terms of his overall scoring splits from last year. Again, per synergy stats. And that's some of the balance that I'm talking about. When when Agbaji had some of those drives last night, some of those finishes in transition where he was comfortable running out, sprinting ahead, and not stopping and popping, but continuing his head of steam and, and getting to the basket and finishing the play. That's some of the balance that that a lot of people have been looking for in terms of him being able to score the basketball and what he can bring to a team at the next level. They're looking for that balance. If he's just settling for jump shots and that's all he's doing on the floor, he's not as valuable of a player offensively, despite how aggressive, how physical he can be defending on the wing. 
But when he does have that balance, when he's confident in his ability to dribble the basketball, that one play that he had, and I referenced this multiple times on social media where he had that around the back dribble to, to kind of keep his handle and be able to get to the basket and draw the foul. That was one of those plays that you watch on film and you go, that is something that I do not remember seeing last year at all from from Agbaji. That was definitely impressive. Yeah, again, some of the stuff I saw from him last night, he seems like one of those guys, if he keeps that up, he's going to play himself in, in the first round consideration despite his age, absolutely. Um, Kansas, Christian Brown always stands out to me. The numbers aren't eye-popping, six points, eight rebounds, two assists, but he was playing up, up a spot. Then he usually is. I, I think he's more of a two guard. He generally has played the three at Kansas. And last night he was even playing the four because of Jalen Wilson being suspended for that game. He held his own on the boards. He's always an instinctual rebounder on both ends of the floor. He's a heady, play, heady playmaker with the basketball in his hands. He makes the right passes. When he did get shots to start falling in the second half, he looked like so good of, of a player and a prospect. Is he a first rounder? Probably not. I don't think he's that dynamic of an offensive player, but he's one of those guys I could absolutely see a, a smart basketball team using a second round pick on him to, to bring him into a locker room and, and kind of let him be like an eighth, ninth, 10th man in a rotation, bring him off the bench. And you at least have a level of stability with Brown in the lineup. You know, he's not going to do dumb things with the basketball. You know, he's going to be an intelligent player on the floor, very confident stepping into open shots. He can get the ball where it needs to be. The ball doesn't stick in his hands. He keeps it moving. And then defensively, physical, a lot more physical than, than you would think of Brown when you when you look at him. He's 6'6". He is built pretty well. He's competitive. He's feisty. He challenges guys on the defensive end. I love what Brown really brings to that team. You have Agbaji. You have Brown. The point guard play last night between Remy Martin, Dewan Harris, uh, Bobby Pettiford. Bobby Pettiford's definitely another guy along with Dewan Harris I'm keeping an eye on this year. Maybe not for the 2022 draft, but absolutely taking some notes and keeping tabs on him for, for years to come. Their point guard rotation is stacked. They're looking really good on the wings. David McCormick was awesome last night. We know what the team's going to get from, from Mitch Lightfoot. He's not the most impressive basketball player by any means, but he's experienced enough to the point where he knows how to do his job the right way. And then when Jalen Wilson does come back, he's just another dynamic offensive weapon to, to add into the mix, mainly because of his shooting ability, his ability to stretch the floor from deep, keep things spaced for that team. They can continue to play four round one. I love what Kansas is bringing to the table. I, if you had to ask me who's winning the national championship today, Kansas would, would without a doubt be my pick. And in that game, we saw a few guys on the Michigan State side. Really, the one player in that game who everyone wanted to see the most was Max Christie, the Michigan State freshman wing, 6'6". Uh, scored nine points last night, three rebounds, three of ten shooting from the field, two of four from three-point range. His game isn't sexy by any means. He's not going to blow you away. But what he does do, he brings a level of stability in terms of shooting the basketball to that offense. He's, he's a willing floor spacer. He can cut without the basketball in his hands. The one play that I remember seeing last night that stuck out to me the most was when he did take his man off the bounce and he got to a spot where he could put up the floater in the lane. 
that shot looked clean. It looked good. It just didn't go in. But if he shows a little more of that in half-court situations where he can actually drive and uh, attack a closeout, um, take somebody off the bounce, get to the rim, that's a little more of what scouts, I think, are going to want to see besides the outside shooting. But the shooting stroke is legit. It's pure. He looks really good taking it. I, I think he's definitely going to become a movement shooter in time. They didn't have him shooting really much at all off the move last night. A lot of what he ended up doing were, were set shots. But I like I really like what Max Christie is going to bring to the table, I think, in time for that Michigan State team. Right now, he's gained a lot of traction, a lot of buzz as being a, a first-round type of talent. I would agree with that. As far as how high he can climb, I'm not quite sure of that just yet. We only have one game of film under our belts. So let, let's, let's let a lot of that simmer. Let's let a lot of that play out. But those are really some of the thoughts I wanted to get out on this podcast regarding the Champions Classic. Again, quick hitters. If you want a few more of my thoughts, you can absolutely check out the, the post that's up on No Ceilings right now where Corey and I went back and forth. Let's just really quick whip around the rest of college basketball to some other debuts that were made last night. Obviously, Chet Holmgren's stat line caught the eyes of many for Gonzaga in his debut. 14 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists to 5 turnovers, but also 7 blocks on the defensive end in a college debut. You know, that's the one thing that stands out to me when I go back and watch Chet's film. I can't recall a center prospect who has taken so much contact down low. Like he literally gets pushed out of his spots because his body's just not there yet. And that seems to be really the only major gripe or criticism that everybody has about him as a prospect, but he gets pushed out of his spots. Yet his anticipation, his timing on going up and using his length to block the shot is second to none. He still gets blocks despite being pushed out of position down low. It's it's a sight to see. He is as legit of a rim protector as they come. Some of the stuff he was doing offensively off the bounce, some of the quick reads he was making. I mean, there, there were some there were some possessions where he caught the ball and within a split second it was already out of his hands. He was dropping he was dropping dimes left and right, pocket passes. You name it, Chet was doing it. There was even that one play where he, he he got the rebound on the defensive end and he whipped that ball down court. Um, would look like to be a touchdown pass for the easy score and transition. Like Chet Holmgren, holy cow, is he talented. And he absolutely deserves to be in contention for the number one pick, no question about it. I love what he's bringing to the table so far. I don't know how much... I want to see of, of, of point chat from a volume standpoint. I like that he's willing to, to keep the ball moving and make plays, but in terms of him having to do all these different moves, all these different things off the dribble, forcing him to be a playmaker, I don't know how much I want to see of that add volume because you saw the five turnovers last night. That's a part of his game I think that needs to, to come along a little slower than – some of the opportunities he got for Gonzaga last night, but obviously a great debut for him. Couldn't really ask for, for anything more. And, and, and I'll be excited to see just how many blocks per game Holmgren can average this year in college. Two other awesome debuts that were made last night, Memphis, Jalen Duran, Imani Bates, Duran looking like baby Dwight Howard last night, 15 points, six rebounds, five blocks for him as well on 7 for 10 shooting, and then Imani Bates, the sweet shooting stroke from him. Good Lord, 
that man was ready and willing to take three-point shots from anywhere on the court. Obviously, he, he made his presence felt on that very first shot of his on the night where he ran down the court and came to a stop right away and just drilled a three in the defense's eyes. He had 17 points, four rebounds, four of six, six to nine shooting from the field overall, four of five from three-point range. You saw some of the creation ability from Bates last night, some of the passes he made, especially that around the back uh, dump-off pass to Duren for the dunk down low. Imani Bates, he's not eligible for the 2022 draft. He'll be eligible in 2023, but him and Duren are going to be quite the dynamic duo in college basketball this year. I can't wait to see more from them. Jabari Smith at Auburn, projected top five pick Jabari Smith, eight points, six rebounds, three assists, three steals, three of six shooting from the field, two of three from three-point range. Man, that shooting stroke looks good from Jabari Smith, man. He he nailed two open three-point shots. He hit a nice fadeaway shot along the baseline. He looks so comfortable shooting the basketball. But what stood out to me the most with Jabari Smith was his effort level and his attentiveness to playing well in the defensive end. He was protecting the rim. He was switching out on the guards. He was helping on double teams. He looks so comfortable defending on the perimeter. I loved what I saw defensively from Jabari Smith. If he keeps doing stuff like that, that that to me is going to keep his draft stock high as much as anything else we're going to see from him offensively. We know that he's kind of like a like a hybrid four or five, really more of a power forward. But if he's showing that much defensive versatility, looking like someone who can potentially guard one through five in time, again, that's such a rare trait to exhibit really at, at any point in, in one's career, but certainly for as young as Jabari Smith actually is. He looked really impressive last night. He was somebody I talked about him with Tyler on a preview podcast. I, I've had my questions about him. I didn't quite know how it was going to translate in the college game so early, but he looked damn impressive. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jabari Smith for sure. Another player who exceeded my expectations wholeheartedly last night was Kennedy Chandler for Tennessee. 20 points, four assists, seven for 10 shooting from the field, four to four from three-point range. I'm not going to fully go there with this comp yet, but my God, did he remind me of Chris Paul last night. And the only reason why I say that, I'm not calling him a point god. I'm not saying that he's going to be one of the best passers that college basketball sees all year, but he was getting to his spots like nobody's business. He quite literally fed off of every single thing the defense gave him last night. He got to his mid-range spots. He pulled up from the logo. When he needed to get inside, he did. When the right read was there for him to make a play, he made it. His ability to read the defense, dissect it, and pick it apart, that's that's the type of playmaker. When, when I talk about, when I use the name like a Chris Paul, that's specifically what I'm talking about. His ability to get to his spots and dissect the defense from virtually any angle. He looked really, really impressive last night. I know that, you know, it's it's against the cupcake on the schedule. It's not against another SEC team with more quality defenders, more quality players. But from what I saw in the film last night, Kennedy Chandler, he looked like the best point guard in the class overall. Really impressive job. Another point guard that came out 
Caleb Lovin, that a freshman, he's a sophomore, came back for his second year, but 22 points, two rebounds, two assists, seven of 13 shooting from the field, two of six from three-point range. Yeah, he missed four of his six three-point shots, but the two that he made were really confident shots. Stroke looks good. Obviously, it is looks a lot more polished going to the basket, attacking, getting his points inside the arc. Caleb Love is is one of those guards. He could see his stock rise again. I'm not sure how much of a full-time starting NBA caliber point guard he is, but in terms of somebody who, because of his size and his build, his bulk, he can play off the ball a little bit as well. Maybe he can play next to another point guard if a team sees him as somebody who they think they can run a two-point guard lineup with. Maybe that's the type of situation where you bring Love in. Maybe you bring him in as a backup off the bench. He's one of your first guards off the bench. Either way, I think he will have a home in the NBA. Is he as dynamic of a player that I thought he was going into last season? He has a little more to prove on that end. Like he, he would have to be a much more prolific three-point shooter and a much more prolific scoring threat overall. And obviously, he has to up the assist numbers from two a game, and he has to keep the turnovers down. Those are the, th- those are the things that Caleb Love really has to do, has to do to pop further up my board in, in terms of in terms of his game and, and where he can be drafted and where I see him fitting in in the NBA. But he's definitely an NBA caliber guard. The question is, how much will his stock actually rise? I think late first round, early second is probably his territory right now. But he put he put the country on notice a little bit last night. He came back to North Carolina for a reason. He wants to win games at a high level, and he wants to be the best player on the court doing so. Last night, he was the best player from North Carolina. I know that there were some other names on that roster that, that received some buzz preseason in the scouting world, like, like Kerwin Walden, for example. But Caleb Love, man, he was fun to watch last night. Will Richardson for Oregon has a lot of fans in the draft community. He had 20 points, four assists, five for 10 shooting, four of eight from three-point range. Probably going to be that senior in this class that really his stock really rises this year, similar to how Chris Duarte's stock rose last year because he was just such an efficient, efficient shooter. Will Richardson looks like that from three-point range. That lefty stroke is money. Shooting 50% on his three balls was key last night. I want to evaluate his scoring inside the arc a little more because that was something that set Duarte apart. He was such an instinctual cutter. When he did have the basketball in his hands, creating shots in isolation, he had that step back game he could go to in the mid-range. I want to evaluate Richardson a little more this year on that front. But in terms of him being a sniper from the corners and then playing defense at his size on the wing, I do like Richardson uh, definitely as a first round prospect this year. Is he like a top 20 type guy that I've seen floating around on social media a little bit? I don't know about that quite yet. It's so, so early in the process, but I, I'm definitely intrigued by Will Richardson. I'm absolutely intrigued. Going to the early game on the slate, Villanova, Justin Moore. Justin Moore is going to be one of my guys this year. I liked him a lot last year. I thought that he was massively underrated at Villanova. Explodes on the scene last night, 27 points, 7 assists, 9 of 15 shooting from the field, 6 of 8 from 3-point range overall. Love what I saw from Justin Moore. So confident with the ball in his hands. Crafty getting to the basket, some of his stutter steps, some of his moves with the ball in his hands. Obviously, the 3-point shot is money. He was an efficient shooter last year. He's going to be an efficient shooter again this year. Defensively, he steps up in the backcourt, guards his position really well. 
Justin Moore, he, it's funny. He kind of reminds me of like a guard version of Sadiq Bay. And Sadiq Bay was somebody, another really efficient Villanova player who could score from all three levels, made his name felt at Nova, and he rose up draft boards. I could see Justin Moore bursting into the first round scene in, in a similar way, maybe not raising his stock quite as high as Bay ultimately rose his, but Justin Moore, definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on as a first round prospect. I have him as a first round prospect. I think he may very well end up being a tier three guy for me. If he keep, if he keeps up that consistent play over the course of the year, anything close to what he did last night. Um, J.D. Davison, probably my last freshman that I really want to touch on from last night. 12 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 of 4 shooting from the field, 1 of 2 from 3-point range. Didn't start for Alabama, but when they brought him off the bench, you could just tell the energy that he brings to the court when he gets in the game. Holy cow, it's everything that I said he would be in the pre in one of the preseason pods that I did with Tyler talking about Davison and more. Um, he's really going to be one of those energetic playmakers in college basketball this year. Reminds me so, so much. And I said it at that time too, but reminds me so much of Colin Sexton. I love what he does for that Alabama team. Is he the best point guard in this draft class again right now after one game and it's only one game, I'll give that to Kennedy Chandler because Chandler really blew me away from, from how he processed the game on the offensive end, how he saw the court and how he took advantage of what the defense gave him. But Davison, he is one of those guys who's always going to be an energetic finisher around the basket, looks to hammer the ball home whenever he can. And if he can keep that three-point shot going, if he can hit outside shots, get others involved, maybe he's not the, the dynamic passer and playmaker in the same way as like a Chandler or a Ty Ty Washington can be from the point guard spot, but he can make the easy reads as long as he continues to do that, keeps the turnovers down, shoots the ball well effectively and, and brings that energy on both ends of the court. Davison will definitely have himself in, in that first, in the middle of that first round conversation for sure. I don't know if he'll definitely be a lottery pick when all is said and done. I personally would, would have him in that range. I think that, by, by the end of the year, I think Washington, Chandler, and Davison could, could all be in, in lottery conversations for the point guard position when it's all said and done. But he, he, he also impressed me going back and watching some of the film on him last night. But with that being said, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Again, just some really quick reactions on what I saw from day one of the action. I'll have plenty more insight from the first full week of college hoops from a scouting perspective in my weekly column for no ceilings called the morning dunk. If you're not subscribed to that newsletter, please go subscribe to it. All of the links are on all of our social medias, myself, backcourt VAKA, Tyler Rucker, Corey Tulliba, Albert, Tyler Metcalf, all of our socials. They, they have all the information you need for no ceilings. If for whatever reason you aren't following me on social media already, I, I find that hard to believe if you're listening to this podcast and you found it, but at Draft Deeper on Twitter, in case you aren't following me over there, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Keep your eyes out for plenty more content as the year is rolling along. I'll be really excited to, to join back with Tyler on this podcast. We'll record that next Monday. We'll do it as an offshoot of what I'll be writing about in the morning, Doug, as well, we'll be recapping a lot of the scouting storylines and some of the things that we saw from the first full week of college hoops. Until then, thank you all so much for listening. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.